Hello there. This is Jolie Bindo from the Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi podcast. You're listening to the Old Republic podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating review, and Brian and Cassia will feature it on the pod. Now, enjoy the show, and may the Force be with you, always. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. This is where the fun begins. Before we get started today, uh, I want to make sure everyone stays tuned until after the episode. We're going to be playing a trailer from Murphy Season 1. This is a project that's coming to us uh, in part by our friend Dennis Mowers, who's done the music for the podcast and has been a guest. Um, This is a a new uh, horror mystery audio drama, and it's set to premiere later this year. So stay tuned until the end of the episode uh, for a sneak peek for that trailer. All right. Thanks for being here, everyone. Today we have an awesome guest, uh, Jake, and we are going to be talking about a book that is a book, Revan. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, uh, you might have thought, you know, listening to the Old Republic podcast, that Revan, the novel, was something we should have talked about a long time ago, and uh, you might be onto something, but really what it was is we were just waiting for the right time and the right guest. Yeah. And we have an awesome guest. Uh, Jake, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. I was very, very lucky to be that lucky guest to, to talk about this book. Hey, what's up? My name's Jake. Huge fan of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so how did you discover Star Wars? And eventually, like, how did you discover Knights of the Old Republic? Well, Star Wars is something I grew up with. I was pretty much like every kid in the 2000s. Like, I grew up with the prequels. I originally thought those came out first because I was tricked by the numbers and whatnot. And then when I when I got older, I found out about the original trilogy. My whole love for it just expanded. I didn't really think negatively at first. I just wanted to know more. And eventually that led to a code score. Yeah, it, it's always interesting to see how different people uh, first kind of hear about Star Wars and then kind of get into it uh, mm-hmm. because I kind of discovered it through like a toy that I thought was like a poly pocket but it was stormtroopers fighting Ewoks and I was like why are these bears fighting skeletons and robots are there like I did not understand it and then when I saw like Return of the Jedi all those years later I was like oh that's what that Polly Pocket was you know and a lot of folks dog on the Polly Pocket but you know what I don't care I I still love all the stuff from Jedi including the Ewoks (laughs) yeah I I mean who who doesn't uh, love the Ewoks and I, I think they're uh fun and they're a good metaphor for a lot of different uh concepts and everything but yeah um the revan novel it's funny because i've loved kotor basically since i first heard about it uh Mm -hmm. and i was always wanting like a novel about revan and then the revan novel came out and it was just like um i don't think this is what i was waiting for and we're like 130 plus episodes into the Old Republic podcast and we haven't talked about it yet, but 
we're finally getting to it, you know? Um, what's some of the background information on this book, Brian? Yeah, so um, when, you know, we were going to have Jake on, we asked what uh, what topic should we cover, and he brought up this book. Now, I'd read it uh, a couple of times, but Cassia, you were, you were new to it. Um, but this book, it came out in 2011, so quite a while ago. Uh, Drew Karpshin, uh wrote it, um, and at the time, I think he was transitioning um, into the Bioware team that was going to be doing uh, SWOTOR. Um, so they had kind of this run-up of Old Republic novels kind of leading into SWOTOR. So this came out, I want to say, like in... Uh, November of 2011, and then SWOTOR started, um, I think, that next month. So this was really kind of to set up uh, what we were going to see out of Revan and these characters going into the SWOTOR world to kind of build that bridge. Now, this came out in 2011, and I wasn't doing a lot of things in the Star Wars fandom uh, just at that time in my life, so I completely missed this when it first came out. I probably didn't read it until like 2014, 2015. Um, and as you know, if you listen to the podcast, uh, you know, we're not big into the SWOTOR world. So, you know, this was largely off of my radar. But uh, what about you, Jake? You brought this novel up to us. Was this something that you like had your eye on back in, you know, 2011 when it came out? Or, uh, you know, was it something you picked up later like I did or uh, just recently? Or what was your kind of history with this uh, novel? Uh, it, it actually wasn't back when it came out it was it was more like recently um i i'd only really started getting into kotor deeply around like two or three years ago and it was around that time that the novel just kind of popped up and it was at that time that i read it and i i didn't really like it too much and then thinking that you guys hadn't covered it i was like oh well you know this would be a good time to refresh my memory on it maybe come at it at a, at a more unbiased perspective but uh if if you are a fan of just the, the the greater context of Star Wars, this is probably one of the worst books that led up to Swotor. There are a lot of them, and it, this is honestly one of the lower tier ones, in my opinion. Yeah, because I, I I think there were there were seven like lead in novels, like starting from two thousand ten and up through uh, two thousand twelve, um, and you know you had some some. Uh, Good authors in there: Robert Chesney, Paul S. Kemp, uh, Sean Williams, um, Alexander Freed, and then uh, Drew Carpishan, uh wrote two of these books. But yeah, kind of set it up. I think um, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the book a little bit more in depth. I think that if you kind of came into this world in Swotor, you probably like this book better than if you came at it from from Kotor. Um, just just kind of the way in the story was structured, and you know what you kind of wanted to get out of it. I think probably probably varies but what about you cassia um 2011 you didn't read it then um i think you are a, a, a very recent uh, first read on this one i literally finished it today i may have used the force uh mm. on uh an audiobook to kind of make the the words go a little bit faster you know uh but mm. i i did give it a fair shake i i did finish it from the beginning to last and um I don't know, it's just like, because I left KOTOR so much, like, KOTOR 1 and then KOTOR 2, and then it was kind of just like, dead silence, uh, everyone wanted a KOTOR 3, and like, sometimes people are like, oh, are we gonna get KOTOR 3, there's a big announcement coming, then it's like, oh, the Force Unleashed, Force Unleashed is cool, and then it's like, a new announcement's coming, we have the creatives from KOTOR working at Bioware, and it's like, oh, is it gonna be a KOTOR 3, and then it's like, it's SWOTOR, I'm like, that's still cool, the save the deceived trailer 
amazing 10 for 10. I think it's the best uh, video game trailer I've ever seen out of Star Wars and like maybe even just like all of video games, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the Revan novel was announced, I think I saw it announced like on uh, the Forcenet, you know, they're, they're still yeah, around. Okay. And mm-hmm. I read the review, and they're kind of like, uh, it's called Revan. It's mostly about Scourge. And if you kind of, like, are reading it for Revan and, like, the characters you love from, like, KOTOR 1 and 2, uh, they're kind of not in it as much, you know? Uh, so I was like, uh, what I was kind of wanting was, like, a, I guess I've always been on the train, like, adapt KOTOR, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then it's kind of like, you got the Revan novel, and it's like, uh, not quite my thing. I don't want to read that. I'm not going to read it. Like, there's a whole lot of other Star Wars stuff for me to be excited about. I don't need to get this Revan novel. And then uh, when we were going to, like, cover it on the podcast, I was like, I think I got to buckle up and be a big girl and <laughs> just read this Revan novel, you know? That's right. Which is honestly, which which is honestly kind of funny because going back to what you what you mentioned before about the old Republic trailers is that the the center of the attention in all of those trailers is the Sith Lord Darth Malgus, who mm-hmm. I mean even even the most recent one like he's pretty much the the one that everybody talks about. So to have this book be labeled Old Republic and be attached to that property, it's already kind of weird for folks who have seen the trailer. And they're getting into the story, and they're like, "Whoa, what, what, what does this kind of have to do with the uh, trailers I watched or whatnot?" Yeah, for sure. And then I think um, the Darth Malgus novel um, also came out in 2011. That first one, uh, Deceived by Paul S. Kemp. So yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> I guess it was setting up uh, Malgus as you know, kind of this. Uh, key part of uh swotor but uh this book was really a way to you know give some sort of reason for revan to still be alive and to be able to you know play at least some part um into the game um and and that's interesting and i you have to (laughs) you have to go out on a little bit of a limb to to kind of connect it through but um that being said i still think that the book is fun but i don't know um if it handles our characters that well so let's um let's talk about the the book a little bit here um so we meet revan uh it's i i believe it's set kind of in the aftermath of kotor one um and then it does like a time jump to after kotor two um i think but we see revan and bastila are together which is something that we've always wanted but uh bad news for revan he's still having some uh memory issues uh which isn't good um he does one of my kind of favorite parts of the book is actually this this first part because um we start to get a lot of um, interactions with Candorus as he's trying to uh, piece his uh, kind of memories back together, you know, very reminiscent of what we just spent, you know, all this time in the first KOTOR with him. But uh, Cassia, how did you like how we got this thing set up kind of, you know, in this uh, regular world kind of for Revan before he gets set off on uh, his adventure? Uh, I would say I probably have a different interpretation of the world of KOTOR and the characters of KOTOR, ironically, than the guy who literally wrote KOTOR, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. I I kind of read this a bit like a fan fiction. I, I was <laughs> like, this is fun. I, it's entertaining. It's it's written uh, in, in great prose. The action scenes are great. Um, but I kind of don't quite see this one-to-one like the author does, but I can respect it. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, but 
I mean, it kind of starts, like, as average as, like, Bastila and Jedi Revan, you know, on Coruscant as they really can. I think yeah. it set it up well. Yeah, I like I like Candorus as like the the buddy type of a figure. Um, and <laughs> one of the things is like as they go through and they're getting ready to leave, like they just rattle off the names of all of the other characters from Kotor and why they can't be involved <laughs> in this story, uh, which I think is pretty fun. Um, but uh, Jake, what about you? Do you like kind of the way that this gets set up with um, Bastila and Revan, and you know meeting up with Candorus before they they head off to you know find the Mandalorians and try to piece Revan's uh, brain back together, I guess. Well, b- before we can get to the setup, like I-, I do agree with you, it was a very very funny like way of just listing all the characters, and it, it almost felt like Drew Carpenter was talking directly to us, where he was just uh, talking straight up to the fans of the first game, saying like, okay, I know you like these characters, but I'm sorry, we we really can't have them in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just it just won't fit the story I'm telling, and that's and you just kind of have to deal with it. But other than that, yeah. I, I I I do like the, the the setting otherwise, and I like how the Jedi Council that there's there's little uh, kind of sentences that set up their uh, sort of relationship with Revan at this point. Like everybody, like the the, the public kind of respects him, you know, as as the hero and whatnot. But but the Jedi themselves, a lot of them are still. A little still averse to him and not really a fan of what, what he did when he was his authority. And I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far, as far as the setup with Candorus and whatnot for that, I, I do like how Candorus is written in this. And I pretty much have no problems with that. Yeah. Yeah, he's pr- probably kind of the kind of the best part, and also you get T three in there. T uh, three's awesome. Oh, he's always T3. he's always just kind of following following Revan around. He's like hanging out like underneath of the the booth at the at the cantina that they're at, which is which is pretty great. Um, <laughs> one of my my big kind of takeaway from this first part though is that you know uh, Revan and Bastila are together. Uh, you know they're they're talking they're you know spending their their lives together here um in this part and then she immediately just gets like shelved for most of the rest of the book they're like oh yeah uh pregnant can't can't go sorry you stay here and we'll talk about you later pregnant with not satil shan yeah it's like i kind of wonder like for as much as uh swotor is related to kotor if it should have just been like you know the next generation they could have called it like kotor the next generation you mm-hmm. know, and they could have had like baby John Luke Picard. I mean, uh, Satil Shan. You know, and <laughs> Star Trek's already coming up. <laughs> I know. I'm just kind of kidding, but um, yeah, I don't know because it's kind of like a little bit in like uh, Star Wars Episode Three. It's like, wait, how do they not know that like they're having twins and like all mm-hmm. this? Um, I'm like, does like female healthcare not exist in Star Wars, like, which is, like, a technological, like, <laughs> haven of, like, all these things, and I was like, um, no, I guess not. I guess they didn't have an ultrasound, so they're like, oh, you're pregnant by, like, go be pregnant somewhere <laughs> else, gross, we cooties, yeah. no want yeah. that, you know? <laughs> you stay locked up here in uh, Coruscant. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want anything to do with you. Part of it's like kind of believable because because we just know that he's not really that close with any of the Jedi in particular anyway. So so it, it's not too much of a stretch to 
to, to think that those two would just spend a lot of time secluded from the Jedi. But I mean, still, like there should have been more to that to, to sort of explain like what exactly the dynamics are between Revan Bastila and the rest of the council. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really get into that um, too much. Yeah, they just kind of make mention that you know uh, they're they're kind of on the outs and they're holding him at, at arm's length. But uh, what if like rather than just kind of being told, we were shown, you know, and mm-hmm. like maybe like Rook could have shown up like, hi, I came like all the way from Tatooine just to tell you that I hate you, you know, or something <laughs> like that. That was kind of more of a Harrison Ford Han Solo, but. That was- that was great. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. don't know. Like, you could kind of just show that, like, maybe they're like, Revan, we're trying to give you a bone here. And it's like, it's a it's a manipulative bone, you know? And it's like, he, like, Revan can kind of call it. And, like, Bastila is trying to, like, uh, I think at that point she would kind of, like, be her own, her own person, her own kind of Jedi. But, like, try to mm-hmm. massage some peace, you know? But, uh... I think yeah. they would kind of like be their own kind of order of Jedi. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We got Revan. He's fighting for uh, to learn about you know what he did, all the bad stuff he did um, with Malak. He's trying to piece that back together. He thinks that the best way to do that is to go back to um, the Mandalorian worlds and see if he can find uh, where he hid Mandalore's mask. He thinks that thinks that that might. Uh, kind of jog his memory a little bit, so to speak. Uh, Candorus decides to go with him, and we get the biggest bombshell of the whole book. Candorus had a wife. Yeah. That um, was never mentioned in Kotor 2. Yeah, I mean, that does actually kind of fit Candorus's character. Um, mm-hmm. If if someone was to have a secret wife, I'd probably be like, Candorus is probably married and kind of just in it for like some of the fun stuff, but it's not like I, I saw him at like the point where he's in KOTOR like being like a faithful husband and father and devoted and all that so um I guess like I kind of wrote like a pro and con list of this novel and I guess (laughs) I could just I could just say like uh on my list it's like I wrote women characters frowny face um because it Mm. seems like there's not a whole lot of female characters in proportion to like the male characters and like most of them are kind of shelved or die um and we do get atris before she becomes atris i guess you know how much i love atris you know um um, so i was kind of like oh candris has a wife and then it's like oh she dies okay didn't even want to see her anyways that was sarcasm but you know like maybe i could have liked her but i don't know I actually do like her. Um, if 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 we can devote like just like a little bit of time to that, like I, I actually do like um, his wife because I understand her completely. Like she, she she's she's like simple in her motives and whatnot, but she's not like simplistic. Like mm-hmm. she's well de- she's well defined in that sense, and that was honestly uh, one of my favorite parts of the book. That was focused on Revan, was kind of focused on him sort of maintaining his mystery persona as like, oh, just just some random friend of Gando's that's possibly a Jedi, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I, I like how she kind of pieces it together and, and she's shown to be competent and knows like what's really going on here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I do kind of like that that section of the book where we're uh, getting a little bit more of uh, Candor's background and um, kind of some of the inner workings of the Mandalorian tribe. I think that that's pretty 
pretty cool. That's that's pretty well done. And they they do I guess they find kind of this uh this relic, but you know, Revan that that still isn't good enough for him. He's he's off to uh some other planet. I don't recall the name of it right off the uh, top of my head, but it was basically like the the seat of power for um the Sith Emperor. Um and he goes there and uh that's when he's you know, met and captured um by this uh, new character that we've been introduced to in the book uh, by the name of Scourge, who is uh, kind of like the second in command to a, a Darth Nyrus, um, this dark force user, um, you know, Dark Lord of the Sith Scourge. Um, uh, what about Scourge, Jake? Uh, how did you like uh, this character, uh, the way they were written, how they kind of interacted in the story? Um, well, uh, to, j- just to set up more of that, like, Scourge is basically uh, uh, one of a million Sith lords that that exist on on the planet uh, Droma and Kaas, which you were talking about before, which is where the Sith Emperor is, mm-hmm. and and I, and I love everything about Scourge. Like I, he he's initially someone who thinks very highly of himself, and why wouldn't he? He's 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 a Sith Lord. He's on his way to becoming a Darth. He's climbing the ladder, the corporate ladder of Sithood, I guess. And <laughs> so Scourge isn't even an important guest. He he's not the guest he thought he was, and he very quickly has to learn sort of how to deal with more than just brute strength. Yeah, I mean, the novel could have been called Scourge and maybe it would have been uh, less misleading in some regards. Um, I think Scourge is an interesting character. It's just, I was kind of told this was going to be the Revan novel and I was expecting like a nice Ebon Hawk, like KOTOR 1 family, KOTOR 2 family reunion. That that, that kind of leads into one of our problems with, with the book is that it, its focus feels like it's trying to tell more of a news story, but because it's called Rev and like that, that other storyline keeps coming in as like a reminder, even though uh, the, the book makes Scourge the most interesting part of it, even though, even though he's a new character and, and we have one that we already care about, which is Revan. And mm-hmm. yet, Scourge just whenever he's there, I, I, I honestly love it. Like I, I mainly love everything he he says. Like wh- whether he's like being intimidating or or getting humbled or combination of both. I love I love seeing it. I love reading it. Yeah, he's he's a different kind of Sith. Yeah, I really like the character of Scourge, and I like um, kind of the way that. Um, Carpshin, you know, talks about kind of his motivation, and then um, as we progress through the book, and Revan is captured and being held by um, by Scourge, he get kind of these interactions with them, and like how he is kind of trying to explore the Force and try to understand it better uh, through uh, Revan as his prisoner. I thought was was pretty interesting. So. So yeah, maybe maybe it should have been called Scourge, but I I do think that Scourge was a a really good character, and I like the the way that um, he was incorporated into the story. And then you know any good any good prison uh, story is going to need a prison break. So who do you bring in to do that? Uh, you bring in the exile Mitra Surik herself uh, is coming in to hopefully save the day. Um, I, I I guess you just needed to to kind of you know, fill out the story, uh, to KOTOR 2 to, to make it make sense. But, uh, Cassia, Mitra Surik is back. Uh, what do we think about her? Uh, I love Mitra Surik. Um, I kind of got the sense that KOTOR 1, uh, to me kind of felt a bit like the Force Awakens and then like KOTOR 2 was kind of like the last Jedi. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you kind of have like, this is kind of like as close to 
KOTOR 3 that we got. And it kind of feels like this is the Rise of Skywalker where sometimes it feels like some things are undone. uh, That the the last, uh, uh, like, KOTOR 2 did. And I kind of just feel like Kreia, the Exile, and her crew weren't given enough respect. And it kind of felt a bit like Carpishin was a little bit like, I didn't write it, so, like, does anyone care? You know? That's kind of the vibe I got. Yeah. Uh, without, I, I'm not trying to be uh, rude or anything. It just kind of, like, to me, that's what it kind of read it. But, like, it's always great to see Mitra Surik. Um Mitra Surik, the name has grown on me. I kind of wish... Uh, me too. Yeah, I kind of wish they, like, went with any other face for Mitra Surik, but I guess this is what we got, you know? Yeah. And and um, it's always great to see T3. I think T3 is the true hero of the KOTOR series, and uh, in my heart, he lives forever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, Mitra Surik and uh, Bastila uh, do ser- share some time uh, in this book together. Mitra spends almost as much time with Bastila as Revan does um, in the book. Um, one of the things I don't really like is that they play like this kind of like jealousy uh, kind of thing, which I don't know that you would get if you were telling this story today. Um, probably a little bit more empowering for them. But, but yeah, I think that it's neat that she comes in and she can kind of use her connection to Revan, uh, which seems like something that Bastila probably could have done uh, too, and you could have kept it a little bit more centric around her. Um, but what do you think, Jake? Uh, Mitra Surik, uh, pretty cool character. We love her, obviously, in uh, the KOTOR 2 story, but what do you think about uh, her inclusion in this book and kind of the role that she plays within it? I like the fact that she's included, but it, it almost feels like Carpachin kind of just read her wiki notes and still, for some reason, couldn't include any of them. Because honestly, which once once Revan gets kidnapped and, and there's like a bit of that time skip that happens, he, he's there for a while. We basically skip like five years into the future after after the events of KOTOR 2. Mm-hmm. And, and and those events are really downplayed. Yeah. And which, which which I'm not really a fan of because Mitra Surik is such an instrumental Jedi. She's such a unique one that uh, has used the Force in ways that we really haven't seen before, and and none of that is really mentioned whatsoever. She just seems like she seems like she could have been just any other Jedi, and I, I like her personality, but uh, that that aspect of her character is missing, and it's and it's missed f- for for all like the wrong reasons. Yeah. And then, like you were saying before about like the the sort of little jealousy thing, uh, I I wouldn't have like minded that if 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 that were like a short story in and of itself and and, and like a comedic sketch or something like on SNL. But as, as far mm-hmm. as being in this book, it it just felt like a little bit of padding and it just didn't need to be there. I, I was kind of like, oh yeah, because at this point in her life, like Basil is gonna be jealous of someone that her husband knew years ago and was a good friend you know because she needs to be for some reason she was married and like had a kid with him and like he's defending the galaxy for her and their kid you know and like Basil mm-hmm. wouldn't be jealous and it's almost just kind of like uh Mitra's like oh uh, I'm not into him but it's just kind of I don't know I have to share him with his wife and it's like what like Oh, yeah. The, the, the way it's phrased, especially, just it it, <laughs> it it leaves a lot to the imagination. Yeah. 
So I was like, eh, kind of like continuing my, my female character's frowny face. That's that's kind of another thing that was kind of like a little cringy when I was uh, listening to it. So, And it only gets worse, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I... I guess I guess she does through the um, kind of this rescue attempt. Um, they are spending some time together in this cave. Uh, the three of them, Revan and Scourge and Mitra Surik, and uh, Mitra does have a uh, recording. Well, I guess T three has it technically, but um, you know Mitra comes back with T three, um, and Revan is getting to see kind of this you know kind of hollow recording of Bastila um and their child which i think is is pretty nice and kind of maybe the the most sort of like character driven bit we get from Revan throughout the thing uh so i kind of like that aspect um of the story i guess i'll i'll uh give it that there yeah it, it was it was almost like a uh like not, not a member berry but it, it was it was kind of like what like the last jedi did like i really like that one scene where um, R2-D2 just kind of shows uh, Leia's original message in A New Hope to Luke. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and Luke's just kind of like, kind of like oh, how dare you sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Like, and it, it, it kind of gave me that sort of vibe, but it was a little bit more uh, serious and been emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he just kind of keeps watching it, you know, um, you know, over and over again, which I think is is pretty cool. Um, and then kind of, you know, played against that, you have Scourge is trying to figure out, you know, where where in the fourth he resides. So I I do kind of like that that section of the book. Um, so I kind of like that that first bit with with Candorus, and I like kind of this section when uh, those three characters are spending some time together before they head off to confront the. Uh, the Sith Emperor, I guess, and we and we lose Revan to the annals of time, and Bastila loses him forever. We're I guess. skipping ahead. We're skipping ahead. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the Sith Emperor, I don't quite understand because, like, whenever like I try to like keep up with like Swotor, I'm like, okay, the Emperor's dead, and then it's like, but he's not dead, and then it's like he died, and then it's like, but he didn't. And I was like, oh. Okay. It, um. it's, it's 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 pretty much like the idea of Palpatine returning, like taken to its nth degree. Yeah. And yeah. Which, which which wouldn't be like too much of a problem if if the Emperor himself was interesting in any way, but like for for anybody who's played Kotor two, he just kind of feels like a ripoff of 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 Darth Nihilus, but way more unsubtle. And mm-hmm. uh, to, to to set up his character, he he was basically a Sith pureblood, which. Which, 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 if you know what they look like, they're basically like red, red humans with, with like those little tendrils coming out of them. They're like uh, lobsters. That, yeah, yeah, but basically lobster people. Yeah, that's that, that's what Scourge is. That's what Setchel is, who's Darth Nyrus is uh, one of her aides, and that's what the Emperor was. But he, uh, presumably, like thousands of thousands of years ago, he he basically gathered a bunch of Sith lords to sort of conduct like a ritual on this planet called Nathema. And the ritual, essentially, they poured all of their powers into him and they he drained the entire planet of its life. He basically did a Darth Nihilus in the planet and that's what sort of gave him his power. And now he's immortal. And the the book does a good job of illustrating how this has affected him, especially if you listen to the audiobook. They, they really do a good job with his voice of having the multiple people kind of layered over each other. And that part of him I found interesting, and even the presence he had on, on Lord Scourge. Uh, Drew did a good job with 
sort of writing how scared he was to even talk to the emperor in that scene where he's sort of lying to him about uh, what's going on. Yeah, I didn't really understand the character, but I was like, ooh, he is kind of scary, but also kind of like a ripoff of like Nihilus and Palpatine. I mean, it's hard because like Star Wars, I kind of feel like there's kind of a set kind of like poetry story like which can rhyme but it can also be like uh they kind of did this or you know like we could get some new stories you know but uh yeah i don't know it it was interesting i think the fights uh were were well done i do think scourge had an interesting character i think revan is kind of held back a bit um Mm -hmm. by like Sometimes it's kind of like, I feel like Star Wars writers um, just try to make everyone happy. And like sometimes they just kind of keep things as open as possible. And sometimes it's more interesting to make bold decisions and like stick with them rather than just try to like appeal to the widest demographic, you know? Yeah, Um, so stick to their ideas all the way through. Yeah. You know, and um, Scourge was interesting. I really did not like that uh, Mitra just has to be the one to die. Like, just kind of, if, like, not as many females died and, like, weren't shelved, I could have maybe bought that a little bit better. But it's kind of just like, oh, uh, Mitra's not the awesome dude with the mask. Uh, So she dies, but... She'll always be Revan's uh, good girl buddy, you know, and yeah. <laughs> which it's which, about which also which which also just comes off as such like a surface level understanding of what of what and who she is. Like yeah. she, she was never she, she was never tied to Revan in any way. I mean, in, in her own game, she she had so much agency, and she made her own decisions. I mean, she chose to cut herself off from the Force, and she has the most. Uh, in, in, in a way, she, she has the most experience with this kind of oddity that the Emperor represents, but she doesn't really, the, the, the book doesn't really give her any space to pontificate on it or anything like that. She kind of just becomes a little bit of a background character. Yeah. And, 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 and which, which is honestly a shame because everything leading up to, everything leading up to, to, to those three sort of reuniting, uh, uh, Mitra, Scourge, and Revan, there are parts of that I really like. Yeah. One being, one being when Revan is is like spending all this time in the interrogation room and he's being drugged and and he can barely use his force abilities. One thing I liked was how he he was essentially the most vulnerable he'd ever been, and he had to get out of it through his wits and manipulation. And I liked seeing him do that with Scourge. Mm-hmm. Um, but but how Mitra has to dress as like a slave girl to My sort of. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like like the the, the the fact that they had to write it that way, like it, it's 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 such like a like I, I was reading it, and I was like, wait, so she, she would just agree to subject herself like this? Like you, you really can't find any other way. Like there are high-ranking imperial <laughs> women who who are literally like the emperor's servants. Like surely you can write something in like that. Right. <laughs> no, Scourge has to demean her in in front of Murtaugh and Setchel. Yeah, and then, and then her death is almost like this uh, kind of throwaway thing. It doesn't really have any sort of effect on the outcome of anything. Just like, oh, she was here, and she's dead now. She could have, she could have lived, and it wouldn't have affected the uh, Swotor timeline like, like at all. But um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know the the way that she was handled. And I think, uh, I think there's probably some truth to what you're saying, Cassia, is that you know she wasn't a uh, one of the, one of the characters here. So, um, you know how much uh, uh, energy we're gonna put into you know telling more of her story. Um, and the the big point of this book, I guess, really was to figure out a way for uh, Revan to. Uh, still be alive in 300 years at the time of Swotor, so uh, we could use him in stories uh, going forward, I guess. And uh, t- to that end, success. The book is a success because that's what happens. I mean, it um, happens, but in, in my <laughs> mind, like I'm like, is it success? a success though? Like. <laughs> It is. It is a success on some level, at least. So I have here in my notes. Um, so the Revan novel um, is this a Kotor one and a half? Is it Kotor three? Uh, is it trying to do both of those things, or is this uh, something completely different? Like what? What do you think? Like the intention of the book was, and where do you think it actually uh, landed? Uh, Jake, right. let's start with you. Yeah, go with you, Jake. Thank you. Uh, well, I, I I feel like it, it was neither, honestly, like be, because the the Kotor one point five aspect is is like kind of there. It's it's weird because the Kotor one point five aspect would have just been more focused on specifically Candorus becoming becoming Mandalore, mm-hmm. and 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 that whole journey. But a lot of the focus is on Scourge and his sort of rise in uh, in in both his competency and, and sort of learning all the secrets of the Dark Council, as well as his master Darth Nyrus, who's also a Sith Beerbud. And that aspect, I don't think is there at all, really, for KOTOR 1.5. And as far as a KOTOR 3, it, it, it feels more like a... It feels more like a rush past 3, or, or, or like a 2.5, if you wish, and more like, okay, we started at 2.5, and now we're at SWOTOR, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if this didn't come across, like, I would have loved, like, a complete trilogy for KOTOR, um, mm-hmm. and maybe they could have had the next generation be the next generation and, like, tie that to SWOTOR. It just seems a little uh, puzzling to have the next story be set 300 years later, but, like, incorporate so many... Uh, characters like Revan and like do a lot of back breaking and arm twisting to be like he's alive it never really happens in stories before that much but he's there don't question it none of your other favorite characters are here but we don't care we have Revan so Funko Pops you know um, that's right yeah. and, I, and, I, and that also yeah, oh, sorry what are you saying sorry. Uh, uh, thank you. Um, I, I was just going to say that also leads into the bigger problem or, or the biggest, depending on who you ask, is that uh, this novel, like, honestly really misunderstands Revan and who he was. Like, his his actions in both Kotor 1 and Kotor 2 seemed like he was very much, like, competent and, and, and in control of himself. When But when he was fighting during the Mandalorian Wars and when he became a Sith, he, even though we don't even though like the characters couldn't uh like we we couldn't talk to him like directly through dialogue or whatnot um in in kotor too but all of his actions that are presented and what other characters infer are very consistent and uh and and the impression i got from all that is is that he was trying to essentially prepare the galaxy when he became a sith lord for Mm -hmm. for what vishy was 
and, and, yeah. and, and whatnot to, to sort of fix that. But this book sort of removes any hints of that or any agency from him really at all. I mean, even the, the the book goes so far to make him more sympathetic than interesting. I feel. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but um, they kind of just uh, like remove most of his interesting qualities. It goes so far out of its way to make him sympathetic. It, it just feels so. It was a feric victory, and like he knew what it was, what it would do, and the the exile did too. Um, they were trying to win that war. Uh, by by any means necessary. Uh, so I kind of felt like this book took away Re- Revan's agency. I I think it's a little sloppy to just say like, oh, Revan and Malak turned to the dark side because they were forced to by a Sith Emperor. Um, I kind of just think it was the war, you know, and I like elements of like saying like there's some elemental Sith, you know, beyond the borders of space that... Uh, have cropped up, uh, and we have to uh, confront them or try to negotiate peace, you know? Um, and I don't know, I, I kind of just like wanted a KOTOR 3, but I got the Revan novel. Maybe they could have a meme like where it's like, I want KOTOR 3, and then it's like, we have KOTOR 3 at home, and it's the Revan novel, you know? Uh, but to me, the Revan novel feels a bit like uh, a Svotor prequel DLC. Um, and it just kind of... I kind of wanted uh, some more bows tied, you know, like on the KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2 characters. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I want, I wanted a little bit more of a group chat, like uh, more characters to appear, not like that they all have to have an epic hallway scene you know but uh just more interaction like more humanity you know uh, right i mean yeah but, yeah very much so it, it very much feels like a book that is very disinterested in talking about its main character which if 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 you're a fan of the tv shows you you, you probably that, that's probably not the last time you've heard that phrase yeah and I don't know it's like the action scenes were good the prose is good i i can't really complain about it um mm-hmm. but it's just like i know that in history like some things that happened 300 years ago or even a thousand years ago still impact us but it just seems a little weird for me like in star wars to have a character that's dead like survive 300 years no one else does and maybe Mm -hmm. that's just a me thing you know and i can't get past it and i'm just too attached to these characters and like will like let other things happen but like i don't know like i could be down for like a mythic era of like elemental sith like mythic sith to to confront and like there's ups and downs all throughout history like technologically uh belief-wise, and, like, different stories are told at different times, and that could have been reflected in SWOTOR and KOTOR compared to, like, the uh, Skywalker saga, but I I don't think it was quite to that level, but, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, the move, the Revan novel just set out to be, like, Revan lives and SWOTOR is gonna happen, and 
Bastla really is happy about it, you know? And it's fine if Mitra dies, you know? Like, they're fine. Like, just <laughs> let go. They're, it's they're fine. fine. It's all and fine. It's, it's also funny because, like, uh, Revan also has so little of a role in, in Swotor anyway that it makes you question why he even needed to come back. Yeah. Or, or, or be, or have his life artificially lengthened. Yeah. 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 yeah um, well, I'd like one thing I would like to say is uh, Drew Carpishin, um also wrote one of my favorite Star Wars books, uh, Darth Bane: Path of Destruction, yeah. uh, that people, you know, widely, Love widely it, like. But you know? this one, yeah, I mean, I, uh... it, 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 um, you know, it sets out to to keep Revan alive for three hundred years. But this was this was a weird story to tell to do it. Um, I think it would have made more sense. I think if you would have just taken all of his characters from KOTOR 1 and just told a story about them and then had, instead of trying to incorporate pieces of KOTOR 2, like, just completely ignored it, I think it might have might have worked a little bit better. Um, and yeah. as far as Revan and SWOTOR goes, I you know, we'll, we'll get more into SWOTOR in the future. I actually just uh, got it back on to my computer, so hopefully I can start playing it and learning yeah. a little bit more about it. But I think kind of for for me if i was placing revan in this is you almost keep him as more of an idea and that anyone could put that mask on and become darth revan um like almost as like this relic kind of a thing um it, you do that as opposed to to keeping him alive for 300 years and then you know kind of the the hardest part of the whole book then is uh, you get the little uh, uh you know, epilogue with uh, with Bastila and and the kid, and <laughs> Bastila's like, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm old now, Miss Miss Revan. I have gray hair, and I'm wrinkled. Um, one question though, uh, do you think that Bastila, even though she has gray hair, like would still do like these like highly intricate like hairstyles? Do you think that would be a character trait that kind of follows through her whole life? Absolutely, it's, it's it's probably something that Satil picked up from her, because yeah. she because she does have different hairstyles in like the different trailers. So why not? Yeah, that... I mean like double bladed lightsabers, they're genetic. Fancy hairdos, British brunette genetic. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so don't yeah, question that's right. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Just her hair would have went like uh, solid white, like Atris, but yeah, it still would have been the. Uh... The uh, same kind of style, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, you had a whole list of pros and cons, Cassia. Did we did we get through enough of the pros and cons talking about this about this book? I feel like we kind of went through the story. Was there anything else that that you thought, or Jake? Was there were there any other parts of the book you definitely wanted to to bring up before we we put this novel to novel to rest for right now? <laughs> before we bury this novel uh, there's a lot of little things just to focus on Scourge there's a lot of little things that I liked that uh, one of my favorite fights in the book is, is when he fights Darth Cedrix which, which is somebody that Nyrus uh, sort of made him go after which was another Dark Council member that she we originally thought was targeting her but then we find out that's all a facade uh, but what I liked about it was that it, it, it was less of a fight and just more like a conversation that ended with a fight, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I really like how how Cedric, being this dark council member, you think he's like all this. He thinks he's powerful. He's old. He's wise and all that. And Scourge is no chance. But then when Scourge actually listens to Nyrus's advice that he that she gave him earlier in the book, he uses his own anger. 
as 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 well as you know feeding off of the emotions of other people he sees through zedrix's you know frail defenses and he's like oh yeah you're just you're just an old man and and i love uh i love little small fights like that even if they're not too important to the bigger context of the story yeah like you said uh scourge is a really interesting character and yeah kind of his interactions there with the the different kind of like hands of the of the sith there uh the lord that he was serving i thought were uh really interesting and really well done and yeah i would i would be up for hearing like more scourge stories or stories uh like that you know kind of more focused on them i guess oh yeah his his whole dynamic between him and setchel and murtog like are, are just some of my favorite interactions because we're learning so much about the sith and that in my opinion is why uh, well, like, like, like Cassie said earlier, this should have been just a Scourge novel because Drew is really, really good at focusing on the Sith, and he knows how to make them interesting. Like, case mm-hmm. in point, the Bane trilogy. Like, he he really seems to like it, and it it seems it seems maybe uh, from my point of view that maybe he was sort of forced to make it a Revan novel purely because like maybe the the folks at Bioware thought that connecting the biggest selling point of the Kotor series in, in, in this book would just get more folks into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we went, we went through my positives and negatives and perhaps I was probably the most negative out of like all of our podcast episodes, but I, I was trying to be fair, but uh, explain my, uh, opinions if this is your favorite mm-hmm. novel um and we feel like it great. could be a good conversation that's great if you want to uh maybe pitch some ideas for us to cover or come on like we're always we're always game you know like for me like this novel is maybe more two out of five but like the bane trilogy uh i'm in the middle of it it's like some peak star wars content that is ripe for an adaptation uh, are you uh, are, are you on uh, Rule of Two? I'm on the first one, but I'm in the middle of it. Uh, and then, like, I do have Rule of Two. Uh, and I believe I did uh, for uh, Star Wars um, Wookiee Life Day. I, I think I did give that to Brian one yeah, Wookiee Life you did. Day. You did, absolutely, yeah, because they came out with the new covers. And if you do, like the Revan... Uh, novel or uh, you're just a collector of the books or a collector of KOTOR stuff, um, you know, which uh, we kind of are. Uh, they're actually doing a reissue of it. And uh, we, funnily enough, we kind of stumbled upon this when Jake brought up the idea of talking about this book. I downloaded it from uh, my library, the audiobook version of it, and it had the new um, like uh, art covers that we're seeing from Del Rey and these re-releases. Uh, so we we got tipped off that that was coming. I haven't seen anything official from Del Rey or not, but it's showing here on Wikipedia that that's due to be released on November the 1st. Uh, so I guess keep an eye out for that. I'm sure we'll get some more, uh, you know, updates as we get closer to, to time, whatever that next wave of, you know, those uh, essential legends books are, are going to be. But uh, pretty cool that it's getting back out there. And uh, yeah, if you like this book, I mean, that makes sense. It's it's well written. It's entertaining. I think it just, you know, it just missed on some spots for us. But I could definitely see how you would still be um, into this book if you like these characters and like the way that it goes. And if you um, like, you know, kind of these stories of the Sith characters, I think that you'll find a lot to like uh, with Scourge in there. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the kind of a good place to wrap up unless uh, either of you had anything else that we wanted to throw in about the Revan novel? 
Uh, I just want to throw in something quickly about Del Rey. Like, speaking of that, all the Legends novels, especially the prominent ones, are getting redones like that, uh, like, like you just said. And, and they all actually look great, um, even, even though some of them might seem like they have a wildly different art style to the original. I always prefer the original art, but I am very, very pleased with a lot of these new re-releases. And mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I'm, I'm happy with them branding it Legends. And it's like, yeah, we, we know this is what it is, and we're not afraid. That yeah, that's right. Get these uh, get these stories back out there for for people that want them, or people you know that might have misplaced their copies, or they got sold at yard sales and they want to get those back into the collection. This uh, that's a good way to <laughs> do it. So, uh, Cassie, I'm glad we finally we finally covered this novel. We finally got you to read it, learn yeah. all about Revan and his uh, 300 years in the wilderness, or <laughs> um, on this on the Sith planet, or you know you know whatever whatever he was up to that whole time. Uh, yeah. Miss missed a little bit of <laughs> missed a little bit of Bastila. Could have had a, a dash more bastila probably but what are you going to do uh you know like it happens i do want to say that drew carpishan is a great writer uh has contributed a lot to star wars like uh and he's obviously a talented writer i love his bane trilogy so if i if i seemed more negative i i I don't mean to be, because uh, he's a he's a great writer, contributed so much, obviously. Uh, right, I we're just, not hating on him personally. Yeah. <laughs> Always the writing. Yeah, and uh, I just didn't personally like the Revan novel, but I like a lot of his his other novels, uh, the Darth Bane trilogy, especially if he ever wants to come on the pod, if he deigns to be on our <laughs> pod, like we would. We would be so thrilled, you know, but... Uh, You'd have some choice words for him. Oh, I, I would not... I would keep the choice words to myself. I would just be in awe, you know, because <laughs> we would just talk about the Darth Bane trilogy. <laughs> and, and then he'd be like, uh, well, what, what about Revan? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll jump we'll jump straight from that into talking about Mass Effect. But I think that that is going to wrap it up for our Darth Revan uh, conversation, the novel. Let us know what you think about the about the novel and about the characters. Uh, let us know all that stuff. But yeah, thanks for joining us. And Jake, thank you so much for coming on. We've been wanting to to get you on for a while now. I'm glad we finally found a topic. So thank you very much for taking some time out of your evening and coming on and chatting with us. No, Kimmy, thank you very much. So much fun. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, listening along this time. And Cassia, Revan novel done. Two out of five. May the force be with you. There are very little things that scare me nowadays. But I've always been terrified of the water. Good afternoon. I'm Detective Sergeant... Jack Sherwood. After all these years. Merlin Murphy? Jess Murphy, please. What are you doing here? Something tells me you think there's more to this investigation. You're looking for... monsters? I will warn you. It can get a little dangerous. Creatures even I have yet to encounter. Can't all be real. Can it? What secrets are below the waves? Do you trust me? I haven't seen you in 20 years. Of course I can't trust you. I'm not going to let something happen to you. (coughs) Jack! What are we diving into? Monsters, cryptids, the third kind. These creatures are real. Where do we go now? 
Whatever the monsters call, I guess. Um, hello. Uh, may I ask what this is all about? It's complicated. Murphy, a new audio drama, coming soon. Public podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Older Public Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at dennissmowersmusic.com. This episode of the Older Public Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>